Welcome, episode 99 from the Shed Ends. As always, Theo, how you doing? Not bad, not bad. I feel like now that the weather's all gloomy and grey again uh, in London, it feels like the summer's officially over and it's been a very busy summer travelling and I think we're both guilty of not maybe committing enough time to recording. So I think now that we've, we're five games into the season, it's definitely going to be more of a routine Friday afternoons, Thursday afternoons, um, recording some podcasts. So looking forward to that. Um, and more personal note, I was in Berlin last weekend. I got to see um, Hertha Berlin play at the Olympia Stadion, uh, which was very special. Very good atmosphere, especially for Bundesliga 2. And you get to drink a beer while watching the footy, which I think is fantastic. Um, <laughs> I actually still got my little um, Hertha Berlin beer cup here. Which oh, you get to keep it? Better. You get to keep it, yeah. You get, I think, okay. two euros back if you return it. But it was yeah, my yeah, souvenir game. Well um, but yeah, definitely. Um, it was definitely an experience. And I posted a few um, videos on the Shed End story. So definitely check those out. Um, but how are you doing this Friday afternoon? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Not bad. Um, yeah, like you feel like we've been, we have been neglecting. We we have in uh, the the channel. Um, so again, we appreciate everyone who's still tuned in, checking out the videos, and you know, subscribing to the channel or listening on the audio version of the podcast. We appreciate everyone who's who's doing that. But yeah, we're definitely getting back into the routine. Um, and yeah, obviously, football football wise, things haven't been amazing on the pitch, which we'll talk about. But um, apart from that, I'm good. I'm looking forward to Sunday's game. Should be a good game. Um, hopefully some changes obviously as we're recording uh, Maurizio Potticino is having his press conference now so I'm sure there'll be a couple of things that we'll we'll pick out from uh, today's press conference and talk about throughout the episode so but I mean let's let's just start with obviously the the, the obvious place I, I think to start is obviously the performances haven't been the best um, since the kickoff of the season we had the international break which as you said we know we've both sort of been traveling here there and everywhere in between that but they just haven't been Obviously, the international break ends. You kind of think fresh, clean slate. You know, this is now the time to focus. We've got a very good run of games. Obviously, the Forest game wasn't wasn't the best for us, but to go into a game against Bournemouth, where you you kind of expect us to get something from it, regardless of you know the the history, the vitality. But it just, I mean, what was your thoughts? I mean, it didn't seem like a, a game that we should have lost, but it feels like a loss, even though it was a draw. Yeah, I mean, I think after last season, I know that we've had some kind of. Um, confidence boosters in Mauricio Pochettino coming in in the summer, maybe some new signings that could potentially provide the goal. Goals and um, Raheem Sterling's form, um, who's really hit a purple patch recently. Um, but I still think compared to last season, I just go into these games not expecting a guaranteed three points. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's happened, kind of the Graham Potter effect, the kind of Ted Todd Bowley effect and kind of the post-Abramovich effect that we've, um, that's taken place at um, Chelsea Football Club as of last season. But that being said, Bournemouth away, um, the quality of players that we've we've got in that team, one billion pounds worth of money invested in the squad in the last calendar year or so. Um, we, you've got to you've got to win those type of fixtures. So I was expecting a win, um, and I think as well, like I, I wasn't able to catch the game unfortunately in in Berlin because I was at the Hertha Berlin match, but I caught the highlights. And by the looks of it, is yeah, we had some chances. Cole Palmer, um, I think um, Raheem Sterling hitting the crossbar from a free kick. But if it wasn't for Sanchez, I think once or twice, pulling off some big, big saves, I think that's a guaranteed three points for Bournemouth on the day. So I think Bournemouth might have come out of that game thinking they could have won it more than Chelsea could have won it. So is it more, you know, one two points dropped or is it more um, one point gained? Um, in the grand scheme of things, it might look like it was one point gained, but on the long run and all the money you invested in the squad and the expectations that Chelsea have at the moment, um, which I know you've spoken about at length on uh, some separate episodes, that we need to come lower our expectations and we're not a top club anymore, which I agree with. Um, 
then maybe it's 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 two points dropped. But yeah, it was a really poor performance, uh, really poor, especially considering that was I think the one fixture that we'd won last season in our last kind of two or three months of football. Uh, I think the one game that Frank Lampard won. Um, so yeah, really poor performance and a very disappointing Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was tough to take. You know, I think it's and yeah, I think we do have to to sort of lower the expectation and understand where we are as a club. And I think some of the fans are struggling with that. You know, they haven't grasped that we aren't the, the, the club that we have been. Um, and I watched a couple of videos last night as well. And, and um, you know, a couple of good points were made in terms of, you know, if you're, if you, you're still thinking to, to go to games, abuse, uh, you know, players and, and go there and expect to win every single game, then clearly this part of, supporting Chelsea clearly isn't for you because you know this is the part where you just have to stick with the club through thin and thick and thin and regardless of who's playing who's captain the team who's the manager at the moment you just have to ride it out and just understand that this is going to be a, a process of transition which every club has you know every club has this moment where we just don't you, you know you don't go into games like you just said you don't go into the Bournemouth game now thinking you're going to win it isn't that easy anymore you know you look at Stamford Bridge, that used to be a fortress. Clubs used to come to Stamford Bridge and walk away with zero points. Whereas now, you know, you look at the game on Sunday, which we'll talk about later, there's a chance, even though, you know, Villa played in in Europe last night, there's a chance that they could still go on and win that game on Sunday. So no game's an easy game in the Premier League, regardless of who you are. But just going back to that Bournemouth game, I was impressed with Conor Gallagher. I thought, you know, he's, again, someone that was definitely on his way out the door this summer window last transfer window as well. I think Everton were interested in him at one point as well. So he's come in, he captained the side on Sunday, just gone. He looks like a player that we kind of need to have in the squad, especially for Sunday. Um, he looks like he's someone who's got a, a new lease of life. He looks like he's enjoying his football a bit more. But do you think we need to keep Conor Gallagher in that team? Um, the likes of maybe Thiago Silva, who we'll talk about shortly, but Conor Gallagher seems to be someone that we, we have to keep in that team based on the injuries as well that we've got. Yeah, definitely. I think in our last five Premier League games, so our five fixtures this season in the Prem, I think he's either started or come off the bench in every single one of them. So it goes to show that he's in Pochettino's plans and the manager backs him. Um, he was captain aside against um, AFC Wimbledon in the League Cup and against Bournemouth last weekend, um, which I find even stranger, the fact that he was almost out the door in January to Everton. I think it was Tottenham or Newcastle who wanted him in the summer. Um, so it almost feels very weird that either it's the board that's trying to push him out to maybe raise money, but Pochettino wants to keep him. And maybe Pochettino is making a point at the moment, saying he's part of my plans. He's my captain as well. I want to keep him. Um, but in terms of Conor Gallagher, credit to him. He's been a great kind of professional. Every game he's played in this season, um, he's looked good. I think he's um, he's a fighter. He's a tough tackler as well. Um, he, gain, he regains the ball very quickly as well. Um, and I think he's definitely improved from his game last season. Um, last season, he kind of felt like a bit of a bull in a china shop. He was kind of throwing himself into rash, challenge, um, rash kind of challenges and tackles. Mm. Got sent off in, with two yellow cards early on in the season against Leicester, I believe. And then from there, it was kind of a you know fighting to get back into the squad and kind of regain Tuchel and then Potter's kind of confidence. Um, but now I think he's looking like a real kind of, lead, we talk about lack of leaders in a team, but he's maybe one of the very few, despite his age, that looks like he knows what it means to, to represent Chelsea. Um, the socials posted quite a nice tribute video to him yesterday, kind of as he got the captain's armband at the weekend and showing kind of his progress and his development from the youth team up to the level he is at now. And I think, um, you know, he's, he, he knows what it takes as well to get to the top level alone at Charlton. Then it was Swansea. 
in the same season. Um, then it was West Brom and then it was Crystal Palace. So he's going to cover all the levels of English football in a way. And now he's a first team um, footballer for Chelsea Football Club. Um, and again, another one that I still feel is scapegoated a lot by Chelsea fans. Mm-hmm. It's a player that sometimes they just refuse to admit that he's had a good game. They kind of rather kind of cred- give all the credit to Enzo, to Thiago Silva, to another player. But when Gallagher puts in a good shift, you've got to say he puts in a very, very good performance. Um, especially now we've seen that Caicedo is kind of in, out, in and out of the team of injuries. We've got to yeah. kind of appreciate um, Gallagher's versatility. He can play as a CM and more, more defensive midfielder at times, which is where Pochettino seems to favour him and also more higher up the pitch in kind of a more advanced role. So a fantastic player to have. And um, we can maybe add a bit more goals to his game, a bit more creativity. That'll be fantastic. Hmm. Yeah, I do. I do think... Um... I do think he's a, a player that is definitely criticised for the wrong reasons. And that kind of goes back to my point around the fans just going to games just to abuse players. You know, there's there's a there's a toxicity around the the fan base at the moment, especially at some of the games. But I just think with Conor Gallagher, you know, it's a difficult one for me because I don't think he's a level of play that we need in terms of, you know, when we eventually are competing again for the Premier League or the Champions League. I don't know. It might be the trajectory that he could go on, could go on to make him be one of the best in, in England or one of the best English midfielders. But I just don't see it at the moment. Is he a very good player and he works 90, you know, runs 99%, got a brilliant engine on him? 100%. You know, he does exactly what we need him to do. And I think he's the level that we are right now. He's probably one of our better players that we currently have in the squad based on uh, form anyway, at least. Um, I, I mean, I, I look... I mean, obviously, Potticino prior to the Bournemouth game went back to a flat back four, albeit with you know he, he made some of the changes that I think a lot of the Chelsea fans had addressed or had concerns around with um, Chilwell playing as a left winger and Cowell Levi Cowell playing as a left back. Essentially, he then changed that against Bournemouth on Sunday. He put uh, Mudrick as the winger, and then kept Levi Cowell as the left back when you've got Ian Matson and you've also got Ben Chilwell on your bench. I just don't get that. And I think that's a worry for me because I know the uh, Matson thing's very sort of, it's a, a tricky situation because I don't think that he's, he's reluctant to sign a deal. I think the club want him to sign a deal. He's turned down two, um, two offers already. But you've still got Ben Chilwell, who we know is a natural, you know, he can play that, that role naturally. And I think it kind of takes away the, the qualities of Levi Cowell as a left back when you haven't got him at centre back. A lot of scrutiny has come from um, Thiago Silva. Um, and, and, you know, Thiago Silva is going to be one of the best central defenders we've probably ever got to witness at that age, still at the quality that he is in the Premier League ever since 1992. That's just a given. If people want to say that I'm wrong for that, then let me know. But is it now, though, a time where, and I, I think this is going to happen this season, that we see that switch over from Thiago Silva, the player, to Thiago Silva, the coach? But is this now a time where we just phase him out of the, the take him out that line, like take him out. Cause he seems like he's another one that's heavily criticized. And maybe some of the Chelsea fans do need to see that without Thiago Silva, you know, you've got Zerzi who I'm not a hundred percent confident with and Levi Cowell playing his first, say top flight in terms of, I know we played well at Brighton, but in terms of a, a bigger club like Chelsea, this is his first proper test as a, as a, as a center back. There's the scrutiny is going to be on him a lot more. So should we just take Thiago Silva out for some people to realise that maybe we actually do need him in the squad until the Wesley Fofana is badly sure who's back in full-time training now with the, with the squad, until they're back up to full fitness? Do we still need to keep Thiago Silva in the team for Aston Villa? 
Firstly, happy birthday, Thiago Silva. He's 39 yes, today. Yeah. I've just realised. Yeah. <laughs> 39 years young. Um, but no, I think the phasing out Thiago Silva kind of happened this summer. Um, the fact he wasn't given the captain's armband um, kind of was an indication that he might be having limited playing time, a lot less playing time than he enjoyed under Thomas Tuchel and Graham Potter last season. Um, and instead, it seems like we're slowly moving towards these kind of like a crop of players that are below the age of 25 on these huge contracts um, in yeah. terms of length. Um, and that includes the Dissasi, Badiashil. Um, but I also feel like we're kind of forced to play the centre-backs we've seen so far in the first couple of games of this season, given the injuries. Look at Trevor Chalabar, hasn't kicked a ball um, since pre-season. Same with Benoit Badiashil, same with Wesley Fofana. You could argue maybe two of the three of those players are kind of guaranteed starters, usually in this Chelsea um, starting eleven. Um, so instead, we've been forced to play kind of this hybrid defence of whatever it may be, a back three of Dissasi, Levi Colwell and Silva. By the weekend, it was um, Silva and Dissasi with Colwell at left back. Um, but again, I just feel like the injuries have maybe forced Pochettino to not have a, um, a guaranteed starting eleven or a favoured starting eleven. He wants to go with, uh, with every um, every game that we, we play. And that's been kind of a recurring theme that we've had in the last mm-hmm. couple of seasons because of the injuries. Um, but I still think Thiago Silva is going to be so crucial to this season. Whatever that means, we go far into the cup competitions. We challenge for top four, top six. I still think we're going to need Thiago Silva around that squad, whether that be on the pitch, in the dugout, in the dressing room. He's going to be so, so important. But I, like I said, I think the fact he hasn't been given the captain's mm-hmm. armband. Um, Gallagher was given the captain's armband ahead of him on Sunday. It's mm. probably an indication that this will be his last season and he will be gradually phased out of that starting eleven potentially. Yeah, I mean it's an it's an interesting one and I agree with you. You know, I think he I think we're at that point now for me personally with Thiago Silva that he definitely has a voice in the dressing room, definitely has a voice. I, I don't know, I read something this morning to say that, you know, he's he's been very vocal. I think it was um Simon Phillips reported it to say that, you know, he's been heavily vocal in the dressing room about the the levels of expectation from some of the players and the level of quality that we should be playing at. So he's definitely a winner. I think there's no question about that. No one's I don't think anyone can question how much of a winner he is or how much of a the experience that he's going to be able to bring to the squad, as a youthful squad as well, very young squad. But I think even now, I look at Sunday's game. I look at uh, you know Diaby, Leon Bailey, um, Ollie Watkins. I just look at those kind of players, and I think like you just said you know thirty nine years young is it's it's to me personally. I just don't think we should be having a thirty nine year old defender in it. We shouldn't be relying on him, and it's unfortunate that we are we are where we are. That's just how the the cockies crumbled. But I just think. We, at some point, we need to trust Levi Colwell to be able to do that job at centre-back, not as a left-back, but as a centre-back. Put Ben Chilwell as left-back. And as you said, Dezerzi can do that now. He's there, he can do it. But I do have some hesitance about him and how how will he'll play as a, as a, as a double centre-back with, with Colwell. Um, but we have to see. I think this will obviously be his last season for, for Thiago Silva. And I, I hope he stays on as a, you know, as a coach. I think he'd be so influent, influential to some of those younger centre-backs as well, uh, more so next season. But I think his kids just, are in the Chelsea Academy at the moment as well. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like to say that means something, but Hazard's were in Real Madrid and he still decided to leave and move on. But it's a good, I mean, he looks, I mean, Thiago Silva looks like he, he loves London. You know, he looks like he enjoys himself here. He, lo- he loves the fact that he's connected to the club so much and, it's reciprocated in terms of what the fans give him back as well. So I think let's hope it carries on and that continues. But before we move on, I want to talk about Nicholas Jackson, who again, someone who is splitting the fan base completely 50, 50 in terms of 
um, his performances, in terms of the chances that he's been given, in terms of what's been created for him, should he be doing better? Um, it's a it's a strange one because I feel like he's, you know, I've watched now obviously every game that he's played in the Premier League so far. He's got to do better. That's, there's no question about that. He's but just two things for me: if we take him out of the team, who's replacing him? Because we don't have anyone at the, at the moment currently, and also as well, you've got to remember he's. I mean, this is what his, his sixth game coming up in the Premier League. So we're in the sixth, sixth game in the Premier League, I think. And we've got to give him the time. I think we've got to give him the time. We've got to understand that Christopher and Kunku was a massive factor into how he was going to play. We've seen that in preseason. But do you feel that Nicholas Jackson is getting unfair criticism in terms of? The performances, I mean, they have been poor. We have to remember the, the, the miss that he had against Forrest, um, the, the shot that just kind of didn't even give the goalkeeper at Bournemouth anything to think about. But is he is he just got to stay calm, relaxed, understand that he's still 22, he's in a big league now? Um, or do we need to use him as a winger, which is what some of the Chelsea fans are uh, suggesting as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I like I said in the summer, this guy is still very, very raw. I think the only reason he kind of was brought into the Villarreal side was because of um, Gerard, Gerard Moreno's injury, um, I think come January time um, or kind of early in the season. Um, and I also like you just raised, which is a great point. He hasn't really been challenged and we don't really have another option at the moment. Uh, we know that Armando Broja is um, just kind of getting back into uh, the flow of things and he's re-entered a first team um, training at, at Cobham. So I think it's going to be a matter of weeks. Um, but until he regains his full match fitness, that could be a couple of months potentially. Um, but I do expect him to see him in the match day squads come October time. Um, and I think once we get Brozier, um back in the match day squads, that means healthy competition for, for Jackson. And it really helps surely he starts to kind of pick up the pace. Um, and Cuckoo, another one who I think could have played as a striker, could have contributed with goals, could have um, had that perfect link-up player like we saw in pre-season with Jackson. Because right now I do agree that we, he's looked, he can't really, he's hit Rosette a few times and he had a really poor shot against Bournemouth. Um, he hasn't really looked as effective as he could be. Um, but I do think he's making the right type of moves. And at times, again, you could have said the same about Lukaku, you could have said the same about Havertz, about Morata, but like all these strikers have looked isolated and they end up drifting toward on the wing. And I think Jackson's done that a few times. So I just feel like once he gets that kind of support, um, which will be in Cuckoo, which could have been Jao Felix, um, I think he'll he'll really blossom. Um, but yeah, I still think we need to trust this guy. He's very raw. He's still very young. He wasn't a full package when we signed him from Villarreal. And I think we knew that. Um, but I also feel kind of bad for him and how a lot of fans are kind of pointing the finger to him that we you know we're expecting him to score 20 goals. He's not going to score 20 goals for us this season. I think he might be that, that player that maybe contributes to maybe nine or 10 goals. Um, but I think to be able to score those goals, he's going to need that support, like I said. Um, that being said, uh, he's our kind of one kind of goal scorer at the moment. So we're going to have to get him to kind of contribute to goals, assists or something on the pitch. And in the first five, six games, we just haven't seen that yet. I think he, he looked very lively in the first game against Liverpool at home. I think that got mm-hmm. Chelsea fans very excited. He looked very lively in pre-season. Almost a goal in every single one of his games that he played, I believe, um, other than maybe the Dortmund or the, the Fulham one. Um, so yeah, I think um, definitely a player that we... We need to trust, we need to back, but we also need to give him a bit of a bit of a break and take him out of the limelight from time to time. And I really hope that when Broja's fit in the next couple of weeks, months, um, that'll be an opportunity for him to kind of have that healthy competition. And you never know, maybe even play alongside Broja um, in a, as two strikers. I don't think that's something that Chelsea have experimented enough, but mm. when we did it with um, Lukaku and Havertz, even though I know that Havertz isn't really a natural number nine, I think it was that game at the Emirates and the start of the season two years ago where it just looked like it was just perfect. The two of them were passing the ball amazingly and they were using the wing backs fantastically. 
so yeah, that's obviously an opportunity. But um, but yeah, a player that I think I want to see a bit more of, especially um, you know, easy one of I want to say easy, but those games against Bournemouth Forest, you know, he got his goal against Luton, but those are the type of games where you'd expect a player like like him to be able to score in, and he hasn't. Mm. Uh, uh, I think you just yeah jogged my memory about when I was recording earlier this week, but I, I think my worry for for whole the whole striker situation now is obviously these games that we're talking about now. You just said there's a nice run of fixtures up until I think the twenty first of October when we start into that busy period. I think it's Arsenal first, and then we have like you know City, Brighton. We've got up until October December. The picture list is looking a bit crazy for a team that's only got one game a week, but. Um, my worry with Nicholas Jackson, I agree with you. I think he's someone that we need to give time to, but I don't think time's on his side at the moment. And the reason I say that is because come October, come Christmas, you know, we're going to be talking about the squad being 14th, 15th. You know, I look at the, I look at how we score goals. Where do we get our goals from? You know, you, you bring in a striker. Yes, he needs time. hundred percent. He needs to be given the time to be able to adapt and, and, and adjust and understand how Pochettino wants him to play. But, it's 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 weird one with Jackson because he does some of the, the most basic things correct, but then some of the basic things he does so badly as well. So I, I don't know. I can't really praise him and criticize him at the same time. It's such it's, it's a weird one. Um, you know, I think he's he's runs off the ball are brilliant. I think the fact that he can hold the ball up and take on defenders and run, you know, run past defenders. He can do everything that a striker should do. But when it gets to the the clinical part of scoring or shooting and it's not just him I don't want to just single him out because you know Sterling does it a lot it's like we're afraid to shoot it's like we've been told don't shoot or you're going to be docked like 20 grand out your wages it's so it's such a weird thing that I'm seeing a lot from the Chelsea players it's pass pass sideways pass sideways pass sideways lose the ball or back to the you know the midfield and back to the central defenders and then back to the goalkeeper and then back we don't shoot so I think come December if we're still having this conversation, which we will be, because Broyar, I think we'll take, you know, I think he's back in training. I think Patricino's just said, you know, he's very close to returning back to the to the squad in his press conference this afternoon. But he's been out for so long. I mean, this is going to be this. I think we, we're not us, but I think Chelsea fans are putting a lot of pressure on Jackson mm. first of all, but also Broyar when he comes back. Also in Kunku when he comes back. Remember, Kunku's never kicked a football in the Premier League yet, so I think there's a lot of expectations from all three of them um and obviously even if Ivan Tony which is another thing that's been mentioned again you know after Thomas Frank's comments on Monday Night Football around um Ivan Tony potentially being sold for 60 million in the winter window but even that's not a guarantee because we've seen strikers come to Chelsea who've been scoring for fun before they joined Chelsea they joined Chelsea and the curse hits them you know they just don't score goals um which is worrying I just don't see where the goals are coming from this season. We could bring in four Ivan Tonis. We could bring in, you know, Vlasovic from from Juve. We could bring in Lukaku. Says sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna score every single game, and I'm gonna try and score every single game. It just I, I don't see where the goals are gonna come from for Chelsea, which is a worry. And why I've been saying from now, we need to realistically think about honestly what are the expectations for this season. Me personally, it's not to finish. 12th I'll be honest if we finish 11th or 10th progress but I do worry that come January we're still going to be having this conversation about Nicholas Jackson we're still going to be saying well you know Broya needs a bit more time he's just come back from an injury we might sign Ivan Tony, but he might not be the answer we might bring back and Cuckoo might be back by then and he might not be the answer so 
uh, it's worrying times as a Chelsea fan. I, I think is yeah. what I'm trying to summarise and say. Yeah, it is. I think you summed it up in one of your previous kind of like videos where you mentioned he's on borrowed time, and I was kind of I raised an eyebrow, and then I kind of thought about it. It's, October's just around the corner. We're kind of you know December's not too far away, and the next thing you know, it's January. And if he mm. continues not performing, you know Todd Bowley will open up his wallet, look at an Ivan Tony, look at a Dusan Vlahovic as options, and I know it was linked towards I think the deadline day in the summer. Uh, Fabrizio yeah. said that Chelsea are going to go all out for an offensive player. And I think everybody thought it was going to be a striker. He's going to be a striker. Mm. And no, it was, uh, it was Cole Palmer. And I think Cole Palmer is a fantastic footballer, but I think we spent mm. all that money on him just based on his um, Super Cup final performance and his Community Shield final performance in a way where he scored, he scored a goal in each one of those games. And it was almost like this guy could score goals. We're going to get him. But realistically, did he ever even get a single game last season? I think um, the only game I remember him starting or maybe other than the League Cup games was the game against Chelsea when they lifted mm. the cup. And that was almost like their, their serenation game. So, um, so yeah, I, I do think he's a good player, but um, it felt like we kind of panicked and bought Cole Palmer because we saw he could score goals in two games. But realistically, we mm. should have gone out for an experienced number nine. That could have been a Vlahovic, who I'm not sure you've seen, but he's started the season really strongly. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. But maybe it's also a question of we're going to stay patient and go out all out for Ivan Tony in January. And Thomas Franks recently opened up and said that Brentford are a selling club. And that's what they've done in the mm. past. You look at Ollie Watkins, you look at Ben Rama, you look at Neil Mapai, all those players who have contributed and scored goals for Brentford. They eventually ended up selling them. And somehow a miracle of their kind of recruitment, they end up placing them with a player that's just that someone level else. and the same, someone else. So mm. um, I think that's going to be what's going to happen. I think Jackson's going to continue to underperform and that's going to lead to us going all out for. Um, for um for Ivan Tony in January, I know I've been a bit advocate of that. You know, <laughs> on this, but I still, I mean, I'm just, I think I'm just, I've just this season, I've just realised we are not the club we think we are. No. and I think the penny drops. I think after the Forest game before the international break, and I just thought, you know, this season I thought right, we should be at least pushing for the Champions League spots. We should be looking at maybe a Europa League spot at best, maybe a good cup run. I think we're a million miles away from it. I think. I really do. I, I, I just don't see where the goals are going to come from. I think defensively, we don't look the best. Sorry to be the negative person on it, but I just think I just think we're at a point where we just have to be honest and say, you know, if we put to play Wolves next weekend, I think they'd beat us. And Wolves are just, I mean, Bournemouth were struggling for points just like we are last, last Sunday. And they actually gave us a really good game. When you look at someone like Aston Villa, who, you know, they're in Europe which is great for them, you know, and obviously they playing on a, a Thursday won't help them. But even even if on, on Sunday we beat them, I wouldn't be, I'm not pleased about that because we should be beating Aston Villa. Um, so I just think we're at a point now where we just have to be, be honest and say that, you know, we are where we are. The club, I mean, the club, you, know, you just mentioned then, and I've said it before, you know, Ivan Tony coming in, that's more money. We spent a billion pounds. We shouldn't even need to go and get anyone else. The squad should be ready for this season and ready for the next two seasons based on the players that we brought in, you know, the, the younger players that we've, we've loaned out. We should be, we should be set for the next three or four seasons if the blueprint and the project was done correctly. But we're still talking about going to get another goalkeeper. You know, Aaron Ramsdale will be linked with, we still need a striker that we haven't got and we spent a billion pounds. So it just tells me that the club, see the club as the, the franchise, which we've spoken about in terms of, you know, trying to make Stamford Bridge a bit better and build around it and put the statues in that are going to cost £2 million each. And, you know, we still don't have a shirt sponsor. So we're trying to invest some, get more injection of money for somewhere else. It just seems more, let's sort of business, but the the actual football and the, the, the players are being neglected slightly, in my opinion. 
No, yeah, completely agree. And I think we sat here, um, sat on this podcast, kind of like maybe made you in time and we tried to identify the areas of the pitch we needed to strengthen. And I think the main ones were obviously central midfield, given that Kante, Jorginho, Kovacic, all those players had gone. We got yeah. Kaiseda. Maybe we have strengthened. We've got Enzo has improved. We've got Lavia, Lavia uh, who we haven't mentioned yet, but it's also been injured. Um, then we also said striker. And we said, um, I think maybe potentially goal, didn't say goalkeeper at the time because we thought Kepa could, was going to stay. And maybe we said centre-back. But I don't think we've strengthened in any of those positions, goalkeeper, centre-back or, um, or striker. Mm. Um, so it looks like we spent all that money but realistically are we going to be having the same performance as last season I, I think we might I think we might be in mm. for another very rough season so yeah. and is that acceptable and, after spending all that money I don't think it is and that's why I think the pressure could be on Poch after a while but in a way and I hate to say this but in a way if we do end up being in the same situation as last season in a way I'll be glad because I think it will weed out some of the fans and I don't mean that in a horrible way but I think there's some fans that are just they're just there they don't support the club it's a weird one. They don't support the club. They support being, I don't know. They just want to be associated with the club. But when the mm-hmm. club's doing bad, they, you don't, you know, they wouldn't, you don't see them recording podcasts or you don't see them at the game. So it might weed out some of the, some of the fans, which I'll be glad about. You know, I don't ever yeah. want to see my club lose or I don't want to see my club being a mid-table team, but you have to, like I said, you have to go through the rough and the smooth as a, as a, as a fan base. But um, I want to talk about Trevor Chalabar because he's someone that is where you mentioned him earlier. He's someone that, for me personally, you know, I've, I think I'm just trying to think. Is he injured? I think he's injured at the moment, isn't he? He's, he's, not, he's on that back. injury. He's on that injury list, but you just do start to wonder if that's an injury that's kind of made up, or yeah, yeah. Or, if you see what I mean, because it's like, yeah. I mean, I, I I agree with you. I don't know how why how he's injured. Um, I'll just pull the injury list up now, actually, just while we're we're sort of talking about injuries, but. Um, so yeah, we've got Badia Shield, who we know is out, Armando Broyer, Marcus Bettinelli, Trevor Chalaba, Carney Chocomeca, uh, Wesley Fofana, Reese James, uh, Christopher Nkunku and Romeo Lavia all out injured. But with Trevor Chalaba, I just think he's someone that, I mean, obviously he's injured now, but he, you know, he's still got surely a role to play at the club. I mean, he's someone that has proven every time he's come into the team that he can, can defend, he can play well. Um, yes, he had Thiago Silva, a very experienced centre back alongside him. But you just think it's a shame how he's, you know, he's almost been forced out the door by the sound of things. You know, he's been told he really hasn't got a, a role to play at the club. They tried to force him out to Nottingham Forest. I think the Bayern Munich deal didn't go through on deadline day. Now there's talk he's definitely going in January. Do you think that's the right thing to do? I mean, obviously we're heavily stacked in that department with, with centre backs, but they're not always going to be, you know. Uh, free to play in terms of you know they'll pick up injuries whereas if final might have come back as a player he is as well so surely you want to retain someone like Trevor Chalabar just for the for the experience of playing in that first team yeah I'm I'm still a bit on the fence with Chalabar I think he's a fantastic footballer um, and I think that's that crazy statistic um, that before I think it was the game against Brighton where we lost 4-1 at the Amex mm. last season I think which was October last year um, every single game he played in for Chelsea before then or started in, we didn't lose, um, which is almost like a year and a bit of football. So all that season under Tuchel, I'm sure we looked a lot more solid defensively. And the first couple of months of the of last season, we didn't lose with Trevor Chalaba in the team. And obviously there was the whole Graham Potter phase afterwards where we, we were just giving out points for fun and losing games kind of for fun. Um, so we can't really put the blame on Chalaba there. Um, like you said, I still think he's got a, a part to play with all the injuries we have in defence. It's only a matter of time before maybe Dissessi or Silva gets injured. You feel with the amount of football that they're going to play in the coming weeks. 
Uh, versatile as well, plays right back, plays um, centre back, can play in a back yep. three, which often favours his football, I think, um, which yep. seems at times what the um, formation at Tuchel wants to go for. And I always bring this up, but when he was on loan at Lorient, he played it as a CDM at times, um, which could be an option if Lavia, Caicedo continued to get injured and um, and uh, Poch wants to play Tuchel further up, and Poch wants to play not Tuchel, and wants to play um, Enzo <laughs> further yep. up the pitch. Um, so yeah, I think um, a player that... Um, that might still have a part to play. And I think Pochino's backed him and said he's still part of my plans. But also you kind of look at how Tomori um, left in January, went on loan to Milan, and now he's one of, considered one of the best defenders in Serie A and is back in the fold with the, the with Southgate with England. Um, so I think that could be appealing to Chaloba. Um, mm-hmm. to maybe a move turn into Milan to a Bayern Munich, who he was linked to in the summer. And when Bayern Munich come knocking and giving how abysmal Chelsea had been, I don't think really someone like Chalaba can say no to that, especially if Tuchel can guarantee him more minutes than he will under Pochino at Chelsea. So um, I'm not that optimistic that he'll stay come um, beyond January. Um, but I still want to see him kind of play a part in the next couple um, weeks, um, um, months, if he does recover from that injury, if that if this injury and his, this rehabilitation program is actually a legit thing, because I'm having doubts about this. Um, we haven't seen him once um, in any of the kind of images around Cobham. We haven't mm. seen him um, once, um, I think, since the preseason game against Borussia Dortmund. Um, so, yeah, a lot of question marks about this, his kind of injury status and um, kind of his future at the club as well. Yeah, and and to add to, to add to that as well, I think um, there was a tweet that was put out earlier this this week around his personal uh, instructor who started to criticise the level of injuries at Chelsea and. Um, it didn't obviously go down well. We must have got back to the club. And it, I mean, those things would help, you know, whether, whether that's Chalabar talking to the personal on a, on a personal private conversation that's now leaked onto social media. It's not going to help his, his, um his case in terms of trying to get back into the squad. I, I, if I'm honest, I don't think we'll see him. Uh, yeah. I really, I think, I think he's, I think he's done. I think he probably wants to be at Chelsea, but the way things are, you look at the Mason Mount situation, you look at, um, the way that things are kind of happening. If it's almost if you don't agree with what's happening at the club, then you just forced out. You just isolate out of the team, which you know um, is unfortunate. It's almost if you if you're not willing to do this, then you're not playing. Um, and I, th- I think Ian Matson potentially could go down the same route if he's not careful. But um, we'll have to see. But I just I just wanted to talk about obviously um, Aston Villa on Sunday, which is a it's a game. Okay. Tough game. It's a very tough game. It's a very tough game. It's, you know, it's it's a game that I think. I mean, we've got over, you, you, you know, you know your stats, but we've relatively got a good record. I think against Villa um, at Stamford Bridge. I know Villa Park's slightly different, but I'm pretty sure Stamford Bridge is yeah not too shabby. Our home record against Villa, um, we lost two 0 last season, the first of April, I think it was. We lost two 0 again and Watkins, and what was a terrible performance. But I think before that, um, pretty spotless. I think 3-0 the mm. season before we won. Um, the season before that was a 1-1 draw. The season before yep. that, we beat them 2-1. I think Mount and Abraham scoring the goals. And then the bef- before then, before that, they were in the championship. And I'm pretty sure we beat them quite comfortably a couple of seasons before they dropped down in the championship. And I think you might have to go back to maybe January 2011, if my memory serves me right, for the last time they beat us at Stamford Bridge. Um, You're right. January, it was December, December 2012, 2011. 2011. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they probably still had like people like Darren Bent in the squad and 
players like that. Um, can, but yeah, I can tell you, I can tell you the goal scorers right now if you want. Aaron uh, Bent. Or, um, oh, I can't. It? I can't. It doesn't uh, go. My, my 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 little thing doesn't go that far back. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, but then you you did miss out the eight 0 that we, we flashed yeah. them eight nil. Eight nil, eight nil in there. Ramirez, Hazard, Oscar, Ramirez with two goals. Frank, Frank Lampard, Torres, David Luiz, Branislav Ivanovic as well. Um, they did have Stephen Island in the team. Um, Brad, Brad so, Guzan in goal as well. Yeah, they, they didn't have a good squad then, to be fair. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, this game's going to be difficult. I mean, look, Aston Villa are a team that have a really good manager. They seem to be able to they've set themselves up really well for this for this season in terms of some of the signings that they brought in um, and how well they've started the season as well so it's going to be a difficult game but what's your expectations I mean they're sitting seventh in the league you know we're 14th at the moment it's um, it's tricky I mean we, if we lose we are a lot closer to that bottom three than we were um, ahead of the you know the, the next set of fixtures if we lose yeah, I know this is a Chelsea podcast, but I think Aston Villa have been fantastic since Unai Emery's taken over. Um, they've looked really, really good. They've got themselves in the in European Football Conference League, which is something I don't think you would have ever expected this time last year when they had Steven Gerrard as their manager. Yeah. Um, sure, they played on Thursday last night um, away in Poland. They lost 3-2. It gives me a bit of confidence or a bit of reassurance for the game on Sunday. Quite a few of their starters, I think, have played a part in that game. Um, I think Clément Langlais, um, Lucas Dien, Tillemans, I think Watkins came off the bench. Um, mm. So you do hope maybe a bit of fatigue in the squad, maybe travelling back this morning or late last night. Um, I'm not that confident. I just really hope that the fact that we're playing at home, I know we played Forest and we lost at home, but I really hope that the fact we're playing at home, um, we would have dropped um, three points against Forest, two points against Bournemouth. We'll kind of wake up the players a little. Um, shame that I think Caicedo hasn't trained this week either, so I'm not sure he'll play a part. Um, he's not on the injury list, though. He's not on that recent not on injury, injury list. Shared, but I, yeah. I think it'd be too a game too soon. I think for for him to start on Sunday. Yeah, so you're probably looking at an Enzo Gallagher double pivot in midfield potentially. Um, I do think it's a game I'd like to see a natural left back, whether that be most likely mm. uh, Chilwell this time rather than a uh, than um, Carwell. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a tough game, really tough game. I'm expecting both teams to go into that game thinking they can win. Um, but I think Villa might be maybe being kind of the underdogs given the kind of history of the two teams um, mm. may favour the tie more with less pressure. And I don't think they've, they've lost a game before yesterday since the opening day defeat against Newcastle. So I think their form in the Prem has been really, really good as well since then. Um, but yeah, I'm expecting a really tough game. I don't really know what to make as a score prediction. Um but I think it's going to be a really tough one and a bit like Bournemouth going into these games at the moment, just kind of not really expecting to pick up the three points as comfortably as we would have maybe under Tuchel or even um, during the Abramovich era. Yeah, uh, I think if I'm honest, I go, I go into every game as a loss now. I, I, that, that's the mentality I go in with, with a loss on the cards. But I think um, I agree with you about Villa. I think they've started the season very well. I think they've got, yeah, I think they've lost two. I think Liverpool, two. Newcastle, I think were the, the two losses, but and obviously last night's defeat as well. But take that aside, the way they, they play football, I think it's more how they play football, how Unai Eri set them up to play, counter-attacking football, constantly get the ball forward. Uh, I think that will give that defense our defense nightmares. I really do. I look at I look at what you just said. Then, if we don't play Chilwell and we do play Levi Cowell, um, uh, you know, on that left side, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be a long Sunday. It's going to be a long a long ninety minutes for for Cowell. Um, big question marks around Mudrick for me. Um, 
I do, I do, I do feel sorry for him a, a little bit. And the reason I feel sorry for him is because I feel like, no, I don't. Let me take that back. Actually. I, I don't. Feel, I don't feel sorry for him. No, let me just retract what I'm about to say. I don't feel sorry for him because one, he's come into this team. He's had a, you know, he's had a preseason. He should be, you know, he's had a whole season. He's well, he's a half a season. He should be. He should be at a point where we can rely on him to actually. And he played well against Bournemouth. I'll give him that. He did play well, but we need to see a bit more. We're not seeing enough of what the, the value of what he is to what he's given us is is so far apart from each other. So I, I think. He gets a lot of criticism, even when he does do things the right things, which is why I feel sorry for him. But we still need to see more from him because he's, he's someone that we need to rely on. And me personally, I would put Sterling as that left-sided winger and I'd possibly start Madweki um, on the right. Again, very much with Cole Palmer in mind. I agree with you. I think he's a very good player and I would put him in that in that 10. I think we've got to stick with the two, um, Gallagher, Enzo in midfield. Malagosto, I think, has played okay. Um, I think he's a good replacement for Reese James. I think he could even, dare I say, it, even take over Reese James in terms of holding down that permanent spot at right back. I think he's he hasn't really done anything wrong, in my opinion. Um, Links to Bayern Munich today, Reese James. I just read on Twitter. Yeah, um, Madrid as well. I think Madrid, Bayern, Bayern Munich. So it could get to that stage if you just. What's your thoughts though? <laughs> Would you sell him? I mean, I, I think. Based on his injury record, I mean, we know on his day, he's one of the best right-backs in the world. He's up there past, you know, for me, he's better than Trent. I'd put him now ahead of Carl Walker in terms of, you know, what he can offer going forward. But on his day is the the key words, on his day. You know, he doesn't do it often enough. He's always injured. Yeah, I think I saw a scary statistic, which was he hasn't started seven games in a row for Chelsea since his first season or his second season or something like that. So... Injuries um, just kind of not not allowing him to to be that consistent uh, player in our starting eleven, um, mm. and also we can't really set that stage now where you've got to kind of trust these players who get injured. You've got to give them the kind of resources and the backing. But if it's just constant, 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 and I think you called it about a year and a year and a bit ago when you said um, he's never going to make it. He's never going to be that player we thought he'd be because of his injuries. Mm. I'm starting to kind of agree with you now. And um, I'm glad we've got Malagusta now because it's the first time in maybe a couple of seasons where we've got that right back that looks like he can offer the same amount offensively as defensively as Aspilicueta. We saw in the last few years, he just didn't have the legs anymore. His legs went, yeah. His legs were gone and we just didn't really, we could trust him as, especially as a right wing back. Um, But yeah, I think this is something we should maybe come back to in the, in the, in the summer. What kind of um, situation around Reese James, especially that we've just given him the captain's armband. Um, you did say it was the wrong choice. You did. I remember you said it was. I was. I was very on the fence in it. I was kind of seeing the kind of rationale and the logic behind it, but I was also a bit. Well, I think I, I called it. I said he'll, he'll be the captain on the pitch um, <laughs> for maybe one game out of five or something like that. And I think we've had more captains this season than than wins. We've we've had probably probably got more captains and points. <laughs> yeah, I think Enzo um, Gallagher, Chilwell, Reese James. I'm pretty sure Silver would have. Silver's had, had it at one point as well. Silver would have had it. So that's five captains, five points, two wins. Wimbledon and, and Luton. And also five goals scored, five goals conceded, I think, as well. There you go. So it's about time now, like, cap- captains might be... We should maybe give it Fabulous. to a sixth player. So we get we Fabulous six five. Goals. Yeah. Um, but now, Reese James, a player, I think, um, on his day, best right-back in the world. He looked at like, those games against Milan last season, um, that performance game against Juventus as well, the season before. Um, but yeah, we've just got to kind of just um, see where where it kind of how it plans out. Um, but yeah, Malagusta has got to start for me on um, on Sunday. Um, I'd go with um, 
this is why I'm unsure. Like, I want your opinion whether you go for a back three or a back four. Oh, um, back four. Back four. Like, Chilwell, Colwell, Chil- Silver, and Gusto. I don't know about Silver. I don't know. I don't know if I can put Silver against that, that attack of Villa. I think, uh, yeah, Silver. And, and I say that because I think you need the experience. I'm very reluctant to put two young defenders together. I'd like to keep Silver yeah. in there. I just I just worry about the legs on Silver. He looked knackered after Bournemouth. He got to like 60 minutes into the game and his legs were just, again, his legs were finished. And he was, I think he went down at one point as well. Um, but yeah, sorry, Silver will probably be my centre-back. And I think, again, going forward, you, you can't not choose Nicholas Jackson. <laughs> you have to go with Jackson in goal. I do want to quickly, before we wrap up, I want to ask about um, Robert Sanchez, who played brilliant against Bournemouth. But is it time to switch the goalkeeper? Is it time to to, to give... Um, Georgi Petrovic. Petrovic a chance yeah. in goal now. I mean, have we signed him just to be the sub-goalkeeper? Or, or does he does he need to be tested to see which out of the two we want to as our number one this season. I mean, we've we got to see with Raya at Ramsdale at Arsenal. Is that something that maybe Poch needs to consider at Chelsea? I think Sunday start, um, start Sanchez. There's no reason not to drop him after that performance at uh, the Vitality Stadium last Sunday. But we've got a game Wednesday in the League Cup. Mm. I think that's the perfect game for Brighton on Wednesday night at Stamford Bridge, Carabao Cup, to, to see um, Petrovic make his, his first start for Chelsea. And this guy is meant to be very, very good. I think he was brought in to replace Matt Turner um, who was who Arsenal signed? So we kind of signed him after a year of football in the MLS. But I think before then, if he was playing in um, in Europe. Um, but I think like he's the type of player that maybe signing could maybe go under the radar um, and potentially be a very good uh, player for us. I uh, know we've got um, um, Selina also out on loan, um, another player that we signed from the MLS. Um, so I really hope that the goalkeeper situation maybe plans out. And um, there's also. I think Kepa recently saying he wants to stay in Madrid. I think um, I, don't, I don't blame him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's probably seeing the shit show that's happening in West London <laughs> and thinking he's happy in sunny Spain um, and maybe can challenge Courtois next season when he yeah. comes back from his injury. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think Petrovic will be a perfect opportunity Wednesday night, and depending on his performance, maybe we could have another Raya Ramsdale situation like we do at Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. Interesting thoughts, interesting comments. Um, if you agree, let me know what you think in the comments. If you think that we should stick with uh, Robert Sanchez in goal, and also what would your lineup be as well um, for, for Sunday's game against Aston Villa? Should we be changing it in terms of Mudrick? Should we keep Mudrick in the team? Let me know your starting 11. And also, as well, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Um, all the social accounts are at the bottom of the screen, but also there'll be a link tree link in the description where you'll be able to um, go and follow all the socials and all the podcast episodes as well. But before we go, Theo, you haven't escaped it as score prediction. Uh, you thought I forgot I haven't, but what do you think the score prediction will be on Sunday? I think we'll bounce back slightly, but when I say bounce back is get a goal and get a draw. So I'm gonna go with what get, I'm gonna go with one one. You, you well, you're feeling lucky. Um I think I think we're gonna lose. And I, I hate to be the the negative one again, but I think we're gonna lose. I think it'd be a difficult game for us. I think two nil to Villa. Um just trying to be honest this season. But I think um carbon I, copy of last season's result. Yeah, I just think uh, again, I don't see where the goals are going to come from. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the home advantage gives us, you know, the, the crowd being at home gives us the opportunity to to see um, a different side to what we got to see against Bournemouth and more so, especially against Forest. But um, yeah, 2-0 to Villa, unfortunately. Um, I think one of the goals would be a very silly, sloppy defensive mistake that we could have probably avoided. Maybe two sloppy, silly mistakes, but um, yeah, 2-0. 
for me. But I think we've agreed on the lineup, which is always good, mm-hmm. I think, as well. Um, but again, in the comments, make sure you let us know your score predictions as well. So Theo's gone for 1-1, I think you said. Yeah. Uh, I've gone for 2-0 Aston Villa so let us know what you think in the comments and um, as Theo said at the, the start of the, the podcast episode we are going to be more frequent so um, travelling has, has obviously taken its toll on both of us we're going to have a bit of a rest from travelling so we'll be back next Friday um, and obviously hopefully with some videos in between that on our YouTube channel um, but if not back next Friday for another episode thank you very much for listening and watching and we'll be back soon <laughs>